This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And last week when I was talking about the uh, the inauguration, I mentioned that I didn't care for the song Amazing Grace. In fact, I believe I said I hate it. <laughs> and that's true. I hate it. I've always hated that song. There's something about the lyrics that bug me. And I mean, I hated this song back before I became an atheist. You know, back before I realized I was an atheist, I should say. Uh, you know, when I still believed. And I hated it. It just... I, th- I think it might have something to do with... I hear it so often, it's just a, a person singing it with without any mu- musical accompaniment. And there's something about that that bothers me. And it doesn't matter if it's that song or any other song. If I hear that, it's just kind of... There's something I... I don't know, it just feels like it's missing something. Now, a barbershop quartet with four voices doing harmonies uh, without any musical accompaniment, I can, and I can like that because the, the voices kind of fill out the sound because there's four of them and they're harmonizing and they're creating little uh, interesting effects when a couple of voices or three voices or four voices all sing the same note but different kind of octaves, whatever they do for harmonies. When they're singing along, there's, there's just something interesting going on there. But um, I'd like at least a guitar <laughs> with it, or a piano with the person singing. It's just, it doesn't really work for me. I don't know why. And uh, I was thinking, you know, and I, again, I don't particularly care for the lyrics, and uh, even though I understand the, the, how somebody who is religious and follows that particular flavor of faith... Uh, looks at those lyrics or hears those those words, and I can understand the significance to them uh, of it. But it's just to me, it's it's just uh, you know, you know, I'm an atheist, and I I don't know. It's just uh, I don't think faith is a virtue. I don't know why people make it virtuous. Uh, I I just don't. It's just you know, believing in something that's well. I'll get into it a little bit more when I move along in my topics for tonight. I'm sorry sorry about the nose. I'm sniffling a little bit. Sorry, I'll try to keep it down. Uh, Now, I do like the song, and I think I mentioned this last week, I do like the song when it's played just instrumentally, especially with bagpipes. For some reason, it works for me that way. You know, it just, for some reason it does. Uh, I I can't explain it. It's just an emotional thing. 
you know, art is subjective. You like what you like. There's really no wrong answers. But I still hate the song. <laughs> and I can remember now, this goes back to my, you know, before coming out as an atheist. And uh, I was, I was, there's an episode of WKRP in Cincinnati. I know I've talked about that show before on here, and some of you listening to this will remember it. It came out in the early or the late 70s, went into the 80s. I don't know how many seasons it went, three or four, or something like that. And it's about a, a, a little radio, AM radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, that's not doing really well. A new program director comes in and changes the format from easy listening elevator music to rock and roll music. And... Uh, uh, the station begins to do a little better, but it's always struggling. It's not a powerhouse type station. And one of the episodes has a fellow come in. He is the owner of a series of funeral parlors, a chain of funeral parlors. And he wants to expand to a younger audience. He wants to expose his funeral parlors to a younger audience, get them thinking about you know, the inevitable and preparing for it. And he so he comes in and he's got a passel of money. I mean, he he's willing to, to put all kinds of ads, you know, buy up all kinds of ad time and that's money for the station, revenue and it could just be the big time, they could advertise, you know, they they could get bigger. You know, they could just it's just like, wow, this is we can go somewhere with this. And uh, and they they decide that uh, what they want to do or he's asking for like a hip song or something, some something to catch the kids. So they come up with a song for the ad. You know, hey, you're young and swinging, no time to think about tomorrow. And then it, you know, goes on. And they, what they do is they have the cast or the 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 crew at the station, which they have to have more people working there. If this radio station goes 24 hours a day, there has to be the weekend guy and the over the over overnight guy or early morning. You know, they have to be midday guys and all that. And they kind of indicate that there are, but really, we just see the the cast of the show all the time. So they are the ones that do everything. And, and it's just you know getting into such minutia. Why bother? Okay, but. So they, they come up with a song, and they, have, uh, they, they, they let us know that they had musicians come in, lay down the tracks for the, the instrumental tracks, and now they have members of, the, uh, of, the, of WKRP sing the song. But they're trying to figure out at some point, you know, can we sing? Do we know how to sing? Who can, can we sing? And then they look over at uh, Bailey Quarters. That's the character. She's a producer of some kind with the station. And she's pretty shy and all that. Oh, and by the way, let me sidetrack here just a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on a tangent a little bit here. Um, you know the, the, well, us pig men, we do these things like uh, this, this woman or this woman, this one or this one, you know, that kind of thing. And it's sort of a, you know, it's like... It's Wilma or Betty, you know, Flintstone cartoon, Wilma or Betty. Or uh, it's Ginger or Marianne, you know, Gilligan's Island. Well, there's Jennifer or Bailey. Now, for me, I'm the second choice each time. I'm Betty, Marianne, and Bailey. That's me. <laughs> That's just I. It's just my taste. Not you know. You, Jennifer, uh, uh, Bailey, and Jennifer. You know, Jennifer's the Flash. She's the you know the you know, the wow factor that you see. But Bailey's subtler, and really, she's she was pretty hot. <laughs> just put it simply. 
so anyway, that's back to where I was going. Uh, they look at her, look to her, and they say, "Well, Bailey, can you sing?" And she says, "Well, I, I sing in the church choir or something like that." So they, "Well, well, well, show us what you got." And so she starts singing, "Amazing Grace," on her own, no musical accompaniment. And I can remember first watching it and just sitting there going, oh, "I hate this song." <laughs> Even then, little kid or younger guy should say, uh, late seventies. Yeah, I was a junior high, heading into high school. So uh, it just says, yeah, I don't like this song. Yeah, I can remember that. Uh, not not caring for it at all. However, just prior to the inauguration of our new president, Joe Biden, and our first woman, African-American, Asian-American, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, there was a uh, an evening televised. I don't know if it was on this, all the stations or just one station or what, but there was a, t a televised memorial uh, to the COVID victims and a and a tribute to the frontline workers that are dealing with the pandemic and have been dealing with the pandemic, closing in on a year now, here in the United States. Uh, we are almost we are over 430,000 dead Americans to this to this pandemic. Uh, and they had uh, uh, they had a woman they brought out to sing the song Amazing Grace, and I believe she sang it uh, a cappella, you know, just without any kind of instrumentation. I believe I believe she just sang it that way. And I, uh, you know, I, I was wa I was kind of watching this 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 televised event, and I was kind of not. I, was, I think I was making supper or, or doing dishes or something. I was kind of in and out and just seeing a little bit of it here and there. Um, and so it didn't. It didn't really register with me who she was. I just, you know, well, she must be one of today's, you know, pop performers, and I just don't know anything because I'm an old man and I don't keep up with the new music stuff. I don't know. <laughs> well, I believe it was the next day on ABC Nightly News, the national news program. Uh, they did a profile of this woman who came out to uh, sing "Amazing Grace." Uh, her name is uh, Lori Marie Key. She is a nurse. She works in a hospital in Michigan. She works with COVID patients. And she started doing this, this thing between shifts. She would go out in a, an area where, where the staff could rest a little bit, and she would sing on her own uh, Amazing Grace. Just a way to... I don't know, bolster morale. Um, let the you know, the medical staff know that you know we got to keep got to keep going. Um, there's a higher power that's helping us, or whatever that kind of you know if you believe that sort of thing. And um, somebody took a video of it, portrait. Ugh. But hey, what are you gonna do? And put it up on social media back in I think uh, April of 2020, and it went viral. No pun intended. Uh, and it caught the notice of the people who were putting together this memorial, and so they invited her to come on and sing Amazing Grace. Well, when the ABC Nightly News was playing this bit, and I think I can find find it, and I'll, I'll link to it on the show notes. I'll have to remember to do that. I'll link it on the show notes uh, where, where you can see uh, they're showing the video of her singing at the hospital, and then they cut away to a series, a, a montage of, uh, of still photographs of 
frontline healthcare people dealing with the pandemic and in patience with it and hugging and, and tears and holding hands and you know the, all this stuff they're showing and uh, I happened you know I, I was watching this uh, at, at, uh, when it was done I was paying a little more attention to this bit I even though it started out I go I said to Amy ah God I hate this song and then I you know watched the bit and I and got through it and <laughs> boys and girls children of all ages uh, <clears throat> I felt emotions I, I try to pretend that I don't have any. You know, I tamp them down as much as possible. And uh, uh, I had a, a lump in my throat. And what was this wet, salty discharge coming out of my eyes? What the hell is this? I was moved. And I, I didn't expect to be moved, especially by a song I hate so much. But combine that, put that in the context of, uh, of the pandemic what we've been facing and this pandemic has been going for a long time it's you know and and i i'm not as close to it as as uh as this nurse uh laurie marie key as close to it as she is i'm not fighting it every day it's just it it does it's a draining thing for even me i can't i can't imagine how how hard it is for people in the healthcare industry that are that are working in overfilled crowded hospitals dealing with the covid patients and trying you know and dealing with other patients that are coming in with other things and trying to keep trying to keep people alive and and get us through until a vaccine can get rolled out to everyone um, so i mean you know, so I had the feels for what was going on there. Uh, the vaccine is, I mean, thank goodness we now have uh, a leader in the White House who's an adult and is more concerned about the country than about himself. And we're getting, you know, we're getting on top, he's trying, he's working very hard to get on top of the pandemic and get the vaccines rolled out, getting more so that we can get 300 million Americans vaccinated by, I think, by the end of summer. I think is what he's hoping for. And he's still he's still hoping for the 100 million doses out. But in the first 100 days of his of his uh, uh, of his presidency, he's still pushing for that. And I hope we can get there. And it's oh my goodness. And my parents are both in their 80s. Uh, my mother is about to turn. Uh, 84 and and that'll be in February and my dad will be turning you know mid-February and my dad will be turning um, 86 in late April astrologers put your charts away and uh, you know <laughs> I'd really like to see them get the vaccine uh, the state of Minnesota has, you know, it, they, well, our governor got quite upset when he found out that uh, there are shortages, that we're not getting the number of vaccines that we were expecting to get. And uh, he's, he was quite upset when he learned this. Uh, but they've set up a, uh, you can pre-register. Uh, if you're 65 and, uh, and older, you can get registered online so that they do like this lottery system where they just kind of randomly pick the names and they get you in there. And once you're registered, you're, you remain registered, whether or not you made that first poll or the second poll, they just, as they, as they keep 
as the vaccines keep coming in, they keep rolling this through. Uh, something like uh, the last number I heard was over 260,000 Minnesotans signed up on this, and I had to sign up my parents uh, because they don't have a computer. They don't. Uh, they might have a computer, and it's in a closet or something. They attempted to do internet for a little bit, and the two of them went, "We don't get it. We don't want it. We don't care." <laughs> and so they don't have internet. They don't have email. So it's just what, <laughs> and so uh, I thought you know it was occurring to me that like this past Tuesday they were saying you've got you know there'll be like 24 hour period where you can get signed up or something, something like that and I and I was I was at work and I was like boy you know I better check on this and I better get my folks signed up so I went on to the site and I did you know I signed up for each of my parents had to do so separately and I I had to and please don't report me to the officials but I had to forge their signatures. There's a point at which you can either, if you have a touch screen, you can use your finger to do the signature, or you use the mouse of your computer to do the signature. And well, that's what I did. I used the mouse. And it's pretty much just like a scribble. It looks nothing like their signatures. Nothing like them. Now, I told my parents that I forged their signatures. So don't press charges. <laughs> uh, the one thing that the state did that I thought was smart was they realized that when you give a phone number, that they should, you know, there should be an indication whether that phone number is their cell phone or a landline. So there's a little box underneath the phone number that you check, and it's a, for landline. So I made sure to do that, and I gave my parents' phone number, but I gave my email. So uh, they didn't get picked in the first round. Not too surprised, but you know, hopefully the second round or third, you know, it, they'll. They'll stay registered until they're called, and yeah. <laughs> so I let them know. I said, if you get, I told Dad, I said, if you guys get a phone call, I set it up so that uh, they get notified with uh, three days advance notice of when they can come in to get the the vaccine. It ranges from an hour or two to three days uh, advance notice of being able to go in and get the vaccine. I figured let's go for the max of three days so that. You know, I, I probably have to drive them out to it, uh, and I don't know if they'll both be able to go at the same time or if it's just going to be one at a time, probably one at a time, and you know, let's hope they get it because they ain't getting any younger, and let's get them vaccinated, huh? What do you think? What do you say? Can we do it? I hope so. Well, I've gotten to my first break. I will uh, return after this break, you are listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Again, I'll be back shortly. Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. 
Do you believe in think that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. <laughs> You're listening to Talk Radio Network. Dimland Radio here in the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Let's see. Um, well, as long as I'm talking about the pandemic and the COVID, let's um, let's have a little revisit of uh, what I talked about last week with a friend of mine who has uh, who, who actually has three uh, of the comorbidities that um, uh, that people should worry about uh, when it comes to uh, the pandemic it comes to this virus, to the COVID-19. He has, uh, he's had major heart, heart surgery, at least one, I think it's two, but uh, uh, at least one major heart surgery. He has diabetes and he's 60. So he's got, you know, he could be in trouble. And he had, uh, uh, he responded to a, a post that I put on Facebook where I said, I keep having COVID anxiety dreams. And he wrote, his first comment was, I keep surviving COVID, almost like it was a really bad cold with a 99.98% survival rate. Remember when I talked about that last week? Well, I went through all the numbers that I had at that time that I got through uh, worldometer, uh, worldometer or worldometer.info that has you know, the stuff information about the United States that gets its information from the World Health Organization and from the CDC. So I trust the numbers that it's showing there. And I, uh, you know, I, I listed, I said, it's the, that's not the survival rate. It's, uh, it's a little, it's a, uh, it's a little lower than that. Uh, not much, but a little lower. And I said, when you do the math that accounts for the 420,000 dead Americans at the time, there's now 430,000 dead Americans since last week, you know, it's not going to be long and we'll be at the half a million. Maybe it'll be a little longer than I thought it would be uh, a couple weeks ago, but it's not going to be long. And <clears throat> and I went through all this kind of stuff, uh, explaining the numbers and explaining that, you know, just because, you know, the, well, the survival rate just means that people didn't die. It doesn't mean that there weren't lingering effects, and I talked about how that goes. And he he finally responded, and part of his response was, uh, you know, when did I, you know, it says, uh, when did, where did I ever say that there weren't 
that there weren't after effects, lingering effects, that people were okay once they recovered. When did I say that? When did I even imply that? Let me read his first comment again. I keep surviving COVID, almost like it was a really bad cold with a 99.98% survival rate. I hear an implication there, don't you? I know how language works. I know what it means to imply something. And who has lingering effects from a really bad cold? Oh, sure, you might get the crud. You might have a cough that lasts for a while. And, you know, sometimes people get a cold. They go through the regular you know, recovery time to get over that cold. And as they're getting over the cold, they get another cold. So they get sick again. So they just think that, oh, this thing won't ever go away. Well, actually, the one cold that you had before caused by one kind of virus went away, but then you caught another virus that created another cold. That's why there's it's so difficult to have a cure for the common cold because it's created, you know, the cold is caused by so many different kinds of viruses. It's just that once you get, you know, once that virus gets in you, you're, you react the same way each time to it, you know, or, you know, that you get the basic cold symptoms, the sniffles, the coughs, the maybe you'll get a fever, uh, aches and pains, you get that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just the normal response of your body to the virus that creates a cold, but it's not the same virus every time. Okay? So, I think there's the implication there that he's, that he's saying people are just okay when they get over it. And here's the thing. My friend, his wife, and one or two of his kids had COVID. They got it. Now, fortunately, it wasn't a, 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 a bad case of it. Fortunately, they recovered. And also, fortunately, they did the things they were supposed to do. They were wearing masks. They, they quarantined until they were past the virus. They, they did all the things they were supposed to do. Fortunately, they did that once they knew that they had the COVID and everything, but they came out of it the way a certain somebody who used to occupy the White House came out of his bout of COVID, thinking, don't, don't let it dominate your life. Don't live in fear. It's no big deal. I got over it. 430,000 Americans in less time than it took for just over 400,000 Americans to be killed in World War II. So, um, instead of coming out thinking, yeah, phew, we got the, we didn't have it as bad, but instead of coming out humbled and realizing, hey, you know, you don't want to get this because what if we had gotten it bad? What if, you know, what if one of my kids ended up in the hospital? What if my wife ended up in the hospital? What if I ended up in the hospital? What if I ended up dead? I mean, it, luckily that didn't happen. And most people will get the virus and they'll recover and they'll be fine. Some people won't even know they've had it. But I thought I'd take this opportunity to go through a list of celebrities who have died from COVID. Now this is in no particular order, uh, but here we go. Um, Charlie Pride, he was a country and western singer. He died from COVID complications. He was 86. 
A fellow named Kenzo Takata. He was a fashion designer. He was 81. Uh, there was uh, Bruce Williamson, who is a pop singer. Uh, he was in one of the uh, one of the variations of the Temptations, one of the you know lineups of the Tem- Temptations. He died at age 49. There was Tommy Devoto. He's a pop singer. He was part of the band The Four Seasons, Frankie Avalon and The Four Seasons. He died at age 52. Now, of course, he was in a later version of The Four Seasons. He, he was not one of the originals. But that was the band with Frankie Avalon, Cherry Baby, and Walk Like a Man, Talk Like a Man, Sing Like a Girl. I'm sorry, but, you know, he does the high voice. Thing. Never mind. Trini Lopez, who was a singer. He was an actor. He was 83 years old. There was uh, uh, Nick Cordero, who was an actor. He was 41. 41. Uh, Roy Horn, a magician of, of, of Sieg, uh, Sieg, uh, Siegfried and Roy. You know, those guys, the Tigers? Roy died of the COVID. Um, let's see. There was Fred, uh, Fred the Godson. He's a, he's a rapper. He was 35. Uh, let's see. Matthew Sigelman was a musician. I don't know with whom, but uh, or what, what he, you know, exactly. But he, he was 64. Uh, there's Hal Wilner, was a producer and a supervisor of uh, Saturday Night Live. He died at age 65. Jay Benedict was an actor. Uh, he died at age 68. There was uh, Lucia uh, Bose, was an actor in Italy. He was 89. There's Terrence McNally. He was a playwright. He was 81. There's uh, Lee Fierro. She she was an actor. I think she only was in one part, one film. She was in Jaws. She was the mother of the kid that got killed by the shark, and she came up to uh, Chief Brody and slapped him. Remember that? That was her. She died of the COVID. She was 91. There was uh, Julie Burnett. uh, Julie Bennett, I'm sorry. Uh, She's a voice actor. She was 88. There's Ellis Marsalis. He's a musician. He's the the father of Branford Marsalis and these Marsalis, uh, other musicians named Marsalis. Uh, he was their father. He was 85. There's Adam Schlesinger. He was a songwriter and a musician from the band Fountains of Wayne. He was 52. There's Andrew Jack. He was a, an actor and a dialect uh, a coach. He was he was uh, he was in the best of all the Star Wars films, Star uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. He was 76. There's Wallace uh, Rooney, he's a musician, he was 59. There's Ken uh, Shamira, he was a comedian in Japan, he was 70. There's Alan Morrill, musician and songwriter, he was 69. There's Joe Diffie, he was a country country and western musician, he was 61. There's Mark Blum, he was an actor, he was 69, you might recognize. He was the the guy that wasn't Aidan Quinn in the Desperately Seeking Susan movie. Uh, He died at age 69. There's Floyd Cordova. Um, I think I said that name right, Floyd, Floyd Cardo's. Uh, he was a Top Chef uh, Masters guy. He was 59. There's Alan uh, Daviau. He was a cinematographer. He was 77. And there's Don Wells, Marianne from Gilligan's Island. She died of COVID. She was 82. And there was a, a politician... His name, and I wrote it down here somewhere, uh, his name was Luke, oh, doggone it, where is it, Luke Letlow, he was a congressman-elect from Louisiana, 
He had just been elected. He hadn't even been sworn in. He was a Republican, and he got COVID, and he died, and he was 41. There was a news story, local news story here, of a fellow named Glenn Veerling. He's 74 years old. He was in the hospital in the ICU for much of that time for 70 days with COVID. Part of that time, he was in a coma. While he was in the hospital for 70 days, his wife spent a month in another hospital with COVID. Now, he's out of the ICU. He's out of the hospital. He's gone into a recovery center so he can I don't know, learn to walk again or whatever he needs to do. He's got a long road to hoe. He's got a road, road to hoe? Is it row to hoe? Anyway, so he's got a long way to go before he's anywhere near his pre-COVID state, if he can ever get back to that. Again, he's 74 years old. Yes, most of these people are older, but still, older people are people. All lives matter, right? You know, it's almost like a really bad cold with a 99.98% survival rate. I'm going to take my next break uh, early, my second break. I'm going to take it early. i got a few things packed into this last segment. Let's see if I can get it all in there. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after this break. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Influenza season is upon us and it can be a killer. But it's not too late to vaccinate. Usually most cases of influenza in Minnesota don't even occur until January or February and the season lasts all the way through April. Get a flu shot now and you'll protect not only yourself but those around you. See your doctor or visit mdhflu.com to find a flu clinic near you. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I, I listen to a podcast that's uh, produced by uh, Dana Gould. It's called the Dana Gould Podcast. I believe that's what it's called. <laughs> and it, I really enjoy the show. Dana Gould is a comedian. He's very funny. Very funny. I've, I've met him actually a couple of times. He came into the comic book store for which I work. And we you know chatted a little bit. Uh and he's about my age, and he, you know, boy, I listen to him talk on his podcast, and he starts dropping uh, names of, of bands that he's he was into and he's still into, and I swear to you, 
we're almost the same guy <laughs> when it comes to the, most of the music that we like. I mean, he really likes Elvis Costello. I like Elvis Costello, but he really likes Elvis Costello. But his favorite band might be Guess Who. No, no, not the Guess Who. The Who. Yeah, that's right, The Who. Um, so anyway, uh, he had a, a guest on his most recent show. Her name is Amy Miller, and she's a comedian, and she does a podcast called Who's Your God? And she has comedians on and actors, I guess, come on and they talk about what religious beliefs they have or don't have. She's going to have Dana on the show. He's an atheist, and they talk a, a bit about that kind of stuff. And they got into this conversation about the... the that, that's almost touching on the... Oh, I don't know. The wonderfulness of faith. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'm miscategorizing it, but they they talked about this this notion that you know uh, that a lot of atheists seem so certain that there is no God when they really can't be certain. And that's sort of that's an agnostic kind of view of a uh, uh, way of taking atheism being agnostic. You, you just don't know, but you don't believe. You're an atheist. You don't believe there are gods. You don't know that there aren't any gods. And, they, and the way they talked about it, it's like, well, you can't know that there is no God. I mean, you know, and, and this whole kind of this thing about there's, you know, some atheists have this arrogance about them by, by seeming like they're so certain that the God doesn't exist and all that kind of thing. And I understand the argument in that, but I think it's, it's crap, okay? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that God doesn't exist. I don't, but I don't believe. It just doesn't, just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't make sense. You know, there's this one tiny little speck of nothing in this vast universe of so much, and you know that that, that got started 13.7 or so billion years ago, and it wasn't until the last maybe million years, depending on you know, it's it's it. There's a there's not a there's not an absolute certain point at which the human species began to just lock into being the human species, but you know, maybe about a million years there started the hominids started to approach human, and then and then I don't know for the last I think what is hundred thousand, two hundred thousand years or so there have been modern humans like we are now, and it was only till then that this god decided to pay attention. Right? I mean, it's, what? Huh? Really? And there's all this other stuff out there. Nothing's going on on all this other stuff. Anyway, it's just, it's just, I don't, you know, it just doesn't work. Okay? So, you believe? That's fine. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to talk you out of it. I'm not going to try. All right? But I heard them say that. And, and I thought, you know, I, I wished I was part of the conversation. And that I could say, okay, Dana, Amy... How does this feel to you? you? You don't believe in the Greek gods, the ancient Greek gods. You don't believe in Zeus, but you don't know that Zeus doesn't exist. Does that feel the same as when you were saying to me, an atheist that's pretty sure that there is no God, but I don't know, but they're pretty sure. Is, does that feel the same? Is saying to me, you don't know there is no God. Well, you don't know there is no Zeus. 
You don't know that. Or Osiris, or Thor, or whichever mythological god you know, we look at now as myths. We look at them as myths, right? I'll, I'll tell you, I've told, I know I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. My boss's wife used to come into the office twice a month. This was a while ago. We would work on doing the time cards together twice a month. And she's a Christian, you know. She she prays, she believes. I, she might be a fairly regular churchgoer, I don't know. And she knows I'm an atheist. And we would have little talks about that. And we'd needle each other a little bit about it here and there. And one day, I decided to do this little uh, test or this little experiment that Richard Dawkins would do with believers to, you know, when they, when they can't wrap their mind around not believing in a God, believing in God, then they can't wrap their mind around it, being an atheist. And he says, okay. And he lists a number of gods. He'll go through, you know, he's talking to a Christian and he'll say, do you believe in Vishnu? Or any of the other Hindu gods? No. And if they if they play along and they're honest, they'll say no. And do you, do you believe in Zeus? Do you believe in Odin? Do you believe in Thor? Do you believe in Osiris? Do you believe in Ra? Do you believe in, you know, and he just lists off all, and they say no, 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 no. And he says, see, you know what it's like to be an atheist. It's just that an atheist goes one god more than you do. Just one more. So you already know. Right? So I started doing this little experiment with the boss, uh, the boss's wife. And when I started naming you know, the, the ancient Greek gods or the ancient Egyptian gods, or that, when I started naming them, she looked at me and she said, but that's mythology. And this was not, I, this just came to me just as, as a response to what she said. This was not something that I, I didn't know she was going to say that. And, and I just said, and I just looked at her and I said, well, it wasn't to the people who believed in them. And she had a look in her face, a look in her eyes, just for a second, just a pause, just a moment of, she didn't know how to respond. She hadn't thought of that. And I think for a brief moment, she was open to the idea that there might not be a God. Not that that would have changed her, and I wasn't trying to talk her into it. I was just, just that moment. There was a moment where I looked at her and I thought, wow, I didn't expect her to react that way. And I didn't expect to say that. I didn't, boom, it's, it wasn't a myth to the people who believed in them, right? So let's say we go 6,000 years into the future. You know, right now, the main religions of the world, the main ones, the big three, uh, they all worship essentially the same God. They just have different opinions, different priorities, or different flavors of the same religion, you know, of the same God. You know, there's, uh, there's Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So they have that. Okay, let's, so let's say... Uh, a new religion comes out tomorrow. It starts off as a cult, and 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 people start believing in a three-headed dog god named Fluffy. And you know that that belief begins to grow. It starts as a cult, dismissed by most of the people believing in the one god, 
the one true God, except for the Hindus that believe in several, and other, there's probably other religions in the world that believe in more than one God. But, okay, yeah. So let's, so let's, that's, that, that starts, this little thing starts to grow. And 6,000 years from now, the religions that had the one God, that just falls out. The nuns take over, N-O-N-E. The non-religious and the atheists take over. They stop believing. But, but more and more people convert to the three-headed dog named Fluffy, God religion. And that religion splinters into three main flavors. Whichever, you know, whatever they, they have different things. And then, and then within each of those three things, they have subsets of those religions. And it grows and it grows and it grows until, you know, 6,000 years from now, if humanity still exists, most of the people in the world believe in Fluffy in, in one way or another. They might have different names for them, but in one way or another, they believe. And let's say there's a future me and a future my boss's wife sitting in a janitor office, you know, janitor company's office, doing time cards, and the office manager says, starts listing gods and mentions the Abrahamic God. And that future boss's wife says, well, that's a myth, isn't it? And that future office manager says, not to the people that believed in him. And that future Dana Gould and future Amy, Will Amy Miller in that podcast way off 6,000 years from now or whatever they're doing at that time are talking about the atheists that don't believe in Fluffy. And they say, but you don't know that Fluffy doesn't exist. What's the difference? Uh, philosopher Bertrand Russell who died in 1972? He lived to be damn near 100. Uh, English dude. Uh, he had he came up with this concept of uh, of a teapot, not the concept of a teapot, but a teapot orbiting the sun. Regulation China teapot orbiting the sun between Earth and Mars, somewhere in there. It's too small to be seen with any of our telescopes. We can't see it. But but he says I believe there's a teapot that's orbiting the sun. I believe it. I can't offer you any evidence. I have faith that it's there. Do, do we believe in that? Do we do we be agnostic about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, there could be. And so that's kind of what I'm getting at here. I thought it was interesting. Dana and uh, Amy, on that podcast, they were also talking about I think a little bit about cancel culture, which is sort of a thing that's uh, coming up lately. And they were talking about someone who has run into some problems on the internets. I listened to a podcast called Friendly Fire, or should I say I used to listen to this podcast called Friendly Fire. The last episode to drop was on January 1st. Friendly Fire is a podcast in which the three hosts watch a war movie, and then they review it, talk about it, make some jokes, have some fun with it. And it's a podcast that drops every Friday, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I found that podcast through another one called The Greatest Generation, which is a podcast about Star Trek. And two of the hosts that are on Friendly Fire 
they host that podcast, The Greatest Generation, which you know uh, started off a long time ago. They started with um, they started with Star Trek: The Next Generation because that was their first Star Trek. They're younger guys, and then so they got through all that series, and then uh, then they went on to Deep Space Nine, and they're just about to wrap that one up. They have one more episode, the final, the finale episode to go through, and then they're going to start doing Star Trek Voyager. And you know, so I found out through that those two hosts that there was another podcast that they do called Friendly Fire. So I went over and checked that out. And they do with a third guy, and his name is John Roderick. Now, I was listening to the podcast with Dana Gould and Amy Miller, and they and they mentioned John Roderick. Now, John Roderick it was a music, is a musician, singer, songwriter. He was in this indie rock band called The, the Long Winters. And I know, I've, I've heard a couple of their songs. That I thought they were pretty good. Um... <clears throat> And and knowing learning about this guy through the Friendly Fire podcast, he's got this certain dark sense of humor and a and a and a you know and a, and a uh, he's a, a fairly verbose nature. He's a good writer and he's got you know he's an intelligent man and he's got some interesting ideas and and uh, he can be gruff but lovable and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but he you know so so the 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 last podcast for their for Friendly Fire drops on January first. It was a you know, I guess that was Friday, uh, and uh, it was about Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers movies, which can be considered a war movie. And they, you know, they talked about it. They liked it and all that. Had a good time. So the next Friday, nothing. The next Friday, nothing. And I thought, what are they taking a break? What's going on here? I didn't know what was going on. And then the next Friday, another podcast comes. You know, a, a show drops. It's called Over and Out. You know, and I thought that was the name of the war movie that they were going to be doing, but I didn't remember because each at the end of each episode they would say the next movie that they're going to cover. So I I listen I download it. It's only three minutes long. This one they usually do like an hour and a half, and it's like it's three minutes. What the hell is this? It's their producer, a fellow named Rob. Uh, the other hosts are uh, the other hosts are uh, Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. Those are the other two guys. Rob Rob Schulte, he's their producer. He comes on and says, "Friendly Fire is over," essentially. We had a good time. Thanks for listening. It's over. Okay. And when I heard Dana and Amy talking about John Roderick and about some Twitter problems he was having recently, see, he became known as hashtag Bean Dad. He, he did a Twitter story in which he was talking about teaching his daughter, who's nine years old, how to use a can opener. And it was kind of a cruel way of teaching. The way he was writing it, it's just like, come on, figure it out. And he, you know, try to get her brain to work. And he was, you know, lots. Of, he was saying there was lots of tears and all that. And you know, you're not going to eat until you get that can open. And it, it had the the quality of the the old time father who teaches his kids how to swim by throwing them off the dock. It had that feel. And the and and Twitter pushed back on this. And and so he tried to explain, he tried to defend himself, then he realized he was being the asshole. He writes an apology. And then the internet, uh, before he writes this apology, the internet does even deeper digging. They find some old tweets of his where he would use anti-Semitic slurs, uh, racist slurs, uh, you know, he'd use the, 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 the R word, the retarded word, he'd use that, and, and, and homophobic slurs. He would use these things. And he explained... What he was doing in his apology, which I thought was a pretty sincere apology, it wasn't an apology apology. I'm sorry if I offended anybody. It was, I'm sorry, I offended people. I'm an asshole. That's essentially what he said. And you know, I'm going to take time away, figure out my, you know, get my brain figured out, whatever. And and he 
But he was saying about using those slurs, he was using them as a way of being an ally toward those people. He was not being anti-Semitic. He was making fun of the idea of anti-Semitism. He was trying to, he was being sarcastic. And I was telling this to my wife, and my wife said, Twitter does not do sarcasm. She says, don't try to be sarcastic on Twitter. It doesn't work. And it probably doesn't work on any of the other social medias. If, you, if, you, if your voice can't be heard... If your face can't be seen, people might not be able to tell you're being ironic, that you're being sarcastic. And John needed to learn that. Well, is he canceled? Because Friendly Fire was done. And he's part of this other podcast called Omnibus, which I talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, and with the, he's, he's a co His co-host is Ken Jennings, the, uh, the Jeopardy grand champion. And Ken came out to defend John. He said John's a good father. He was, you know, John was explaining that actually he was making up a lot of the, the bad details there. Uh, he, he said there was a lot of laughter. We were giggling and laughing. We were eating pistachios the whole way through. She had breakfast before any of this happened. My, his wife and her mother was nearby laughing with him and sometimes telling him to knock it off. She was working on her laptop. And you know he, he, that's what he said was happening. And Ken Jennings comes out and says he's a good father. And, and when they said, well, what about these anti-Semitic remarks? He says those those were made in sarcastic. He was those were made ironically. And he's very he's the pro-Israel one of the on the show, which Jen, uh, Ken might be opening himself up. I said, what do you mean? You're not pro-Israel? Well, <laughs> I don't know. And I thought I had a couple reactions. One was. Well, this is your problem, not mine. You know that that John Roderick would be thinking, "This is you know, I'm not abusive of kids, and if you have problems with with that, that's your problem, not mine." Which is kind of a dumb way to look, be it. And 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 the sarcasm things. Like I started thinking, ah, geez, I don't know. I just I don't know. That's my my official position. Is, I don't know. Uh, I do know a couple of things. One is uh, I I. I've lost a really good podcast that I enjoyed. But two, I'm concerned about John's relationship with Ben and Adam. So I wonder if that's been destroyed. Because John was a friend of Adam's before they started doing the podcast. And then Adam introduced him to Ben. And the three of them started doing The Friendly Fire. And they became friends through that. And I, I hope that's not a damaged relationship. But, ugh, yeah. Uh... I've had moments in my youth. I grew up through the uh, the the 1980s. I came to age in 1980s, and people were not the majority at that time. Was not the most enlightened group of people when it came to gay rights. When it came to you know that kind of stuff, and and there were usage of words that I would never use now, and it's because we were just dumb. And we were insensitive, and just didn't just didn't take the time to know. But we've learned since then. I mean, for instance, not for me, but there was a little band back in the '80s called Dire Straits, and they had a big album come out called Brothers in Arms, and they had a big hit song off that album called Money for Nothing. You know, that's the song that starts off with Sting singing, "I want my MTV." You know. Just over and over for a couple minutes, and then the song starts, and it just has, you know, it's this. It was a big hit song on MTV, and it was a big hit song on the radio. And the first set of lyrics has Mark Knopfler dropping the new F word, and I'll say it once, faggot, drops it three times. That little 
F in the earring and the makeup. Yeah, buddy, that's his own hair. That little F is, is it's got his own jet airplane. That little F is a millionaire. In the first set of lyrics. And it was on the radio. And it was a big hit on MTV. And we didn't think about it. Years later, once we started realizing, hey, that's not the way to be. We're being assholes here. Mark Knopfler said he that he regretted those lyrics, and and yeah, you know, learned a little something. So, John, I just it's it's I would never talk the way it, tweet the way John Roddick had tweeted. I would never have done, uh, but it's just I, I I don't know how to feel about it if he's being canceled. I don't know, but. Uh, I do know I'm going to miss that podcast, and I'm worried about their friendship. You know, his the, th- the three hosts. I'm worried about that. So, and I don't know that Ben and Adam will ever publicly address what happened. Uh, they haven't said anything, as far as I know, and I doubt as if you know the next episode of next of uh, Greatest Generation. I doubt as if they're going to say anything. Maybe they will, but I don't know. Uh, before I get out of here, there's a couple cool things. One of them is cool but it's scary and creepy and disturbing but it's cool uh netflix has a a new true crime documentary series it's four episodes an hour long each uh, or so uh about the night stalker that's richard ramirez who was a very evil dude just off killing people and he would use different methods and he would just pick people it just there was no real pattern to it he just he was he was a ugh and he was scary. He was scary. And then when they caught him, he was even scary. The, the, you know, the public. He was caught by the public. And the police had to get in there to keep the public from killing him. Um, fascinating. But my wife watched it before me. It's on Netflix. So I was at work, and she was at home. And she texted me that says, I'm watching Night Stalker. That's what the series is called. And I said, I was thinking, Night Stalker? Carl Kolshak? The Night Stalker? You're watching... With Darren McGavin, you're watching that? No, no, about Richard Ramirez. Oh. Oh. As I said, it's very disturbing. It's very, you know, it's scary. It's creepy, but it's cool. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a well-done documentary where you get to learn, meet these uh, uh, detectives. Uh, an older detective that was kind of a legend in his, in, in his field. Uh, he, had, he had brought down the Hillside Strangler. Uh, so he gets on this case with a younger detective who had early on, when these seemingly unconnected killing murders and rapes were taking place, he he said, you know, this is looking like it's the same guy to me. He's telling this to the other more experienced detectives, and they said, go away, kid, you bother us, kind of reaction. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's on Netflix. Now, speaking of Darren McGavin, though, I'm going to link to this on the show notes. Dimland.com, click on the show notes. There is a film, short film that I stumbled across, called oh, A Word to Wives it's from 1955 it's a short film, it's about 14 minutes long and it, from what I gather it was it was made by like some home builders association 
And it starts off with this one wife who's just so thrilled with her new house with all these modern conveniences, especially in the kitchen. It's just wonderful and it makes her life so terrific and great. And her friend's over and they live in an older house and it doesn't have all the nice stuff because, you know, that's what women are all about, right? To having a good kitchen with all the good stuff, you know, that makes life easier, like a laundry machine with a dryer and it's just all this stuff. <laughs> You know, a water heater that does hot water for for the bathroom and for doing dishes and even hotter water for doing laundry. Uh, <laughs> it's got all this stuff. And uh, uh, the young woman who, who would wish that her husband George would just, you know, would just listen and would, would want to upgrade to a better house with all the modern conveniences. Oh, if only. And so the, 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 the friend who has the nice house says, hmm, I have an idea. Why don't you and your husband come over early before the, home war, the, 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 the homewarming, uh, housewarming party? Before that starts, why don't you come over early? My husband will be there. He'll talk to George. Let's. He'll just see the stuff. Maybe he'll get him thinking. So George is. This this, this party takes place, and he says, "Okay." And the party's going to be happening. Whatever when it's going to happen. But over this coming weekend, you're going to be out of town visiting your mother. Don't do anything around the house. Don't do any of the chores. Make George do them. And of course. George is a clueless husband, doesn't know what the hell he's doing, messes everything up and all that. So he's very frustrated, but he's happy when his wife gets back because she can take care of all the stuff now. Uh, but then they go to the housewarming party, get there early, meet, George talks to the husband, he's showing them all the great stuff and he's like, hmm, he's thinking about it, thinking, about it. well, you know, my guy that got me into this nice place, he's going to be at the party later, so you talk to him and we'll see how that works out for you. George is played by Darren McGavin, a very young Darren McGavin. And and he's got the Darren McGavin acting kind of stuff going in there, especially when he's upset with his son for some reason because because uh, uh, he dropped the trash or because dad dropped the trash or something. He did something stupid. He gets mad at his kid. Yeah, that's how it is in the 50s. And another interesting about this short film, it was directed by Norman Lloyd, now, that may not be a household name, but he's an actor. You may recognize him from the 80s television series Saint Elsewhere. He played, uh, he played uh, I think, like the administrative doctor. He played the, the, the older doctor that was kind of in charge of everything. I think that's what his role was. Um, he was in that. The last credit that he has in film uh, as, as an actor is Trainwreck from 2015 so he was in that he, had a, he played a character named Norman I guess and he uh, uh, he is now 106 years old I think he's the oldest living actor Hollywood actor uh, that there is and so interesting stuff check it out because it's just hilarious it's hilarious the, the 1950s attitude it's just great uh, yeah, I think you'll have some fun with it good night doctor good night Frau Blucher uh, I've gotten to the end of another show. Uh, wash your hands, wear your mask, keep your distance, stay home when you can. Be skeptical, and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim, reminding you to sleep with the lights off.
You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for tuning us in. My life, you're clever, Dim. You'd certainly taken me in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, I'm going to hell.